Unique yet common sense opinions on sports. This is Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Great to have you on board for another edition of the podcast. Coming up, we're going to do a double dip of UCF. We're going to talk volleyball with Despina Barton and men's soccer with Austin David. They both call the action on ESPN+. They are standing by in the virtual green room and will join us individually, not as a pair. They'll be here in just a few moments to uh, talk about the those great seasons happening in UCF sports. One thought I wanted to get out of the way before our guests join us this evening. The term that annoys me most is super fan. You know, it's like, uh, what qualifies somebody to be a super fan? What makes them better than me as a fan or you as a fan or your neighbor down the street as a fan? What is the criteria for this? You know, is it the fact that you draw attention to yourself like self-proclaimed Charger super fan? Yeah, when you self-proclaim it, that's even worse in my opinion. But Marianne Doe, the young lady who got captured on camera at the Cowboys-Chargers game, we could go Monday nights, you know, Lots of speculation. She was a plant to make it look like a Chargers had great enthusiastic fans. You know, that that was a stretch, I think. Now, what I do believe to be true is she wanted her 15 minutes of fame. And she got it and then some. And look at here, I'm talking about her too. So, <laughs> there you go. But, uh, yeah, you, you, you know, does, you know, being intense beyond the fact, you know, to the point your eyes bulge out, make you a super fan? Does that make you a better fan than somebody else? <laughs> I don't know. It's just crazy. But yeah, the, the that would be one term, you know, Fireman Ed in New York, you know, they he's a super fan. Okay, whatever. So anyway, enough of my irritations for now. We turn our attention to UCF Volleyball, and I am happy to be joined now by Despina Barton, who always does an excellent job calling games on ESPN plus Despina, thanks so much for being here oh goodness I'm so excited to be here Jeff and as a proud UCF alum I really appreciate the invite and and what an opportunity it's been to call the majority of the women's volleyball games here as they made their entrance into the big 12 it's been a ride and uh, we'll get set to for TCU and hopefully a rebound here after the weekend at Baylor yeah we'll get to that momentarily I wanted to kind of touch a bird's eye view of the explosion in women's college sports in recent years, you know, you look at basketball, that's no longer the UConn Invitationals. You know, we saw Iowa and LSU create a ton of buzz. Softball, another sport, but growing ratings, great momentum. Volleyball, 92,000 at a football stadium in Nebraska. And also like softball, they're getting ratings, picking up nice time slots on ESPN. What do you make of what has fueled the enthusiasm across that landscape? I think there's a few things that have fueled that. Uh, One is, right, if you give women the same platform that you give men, people will show up, right? And we've seen that with softball and the gradual growth and those ratings that are just skyrocketing every year. And you look back at the WNBA finals and the Ace in the New York Liberty series. Like, you put them in primetime, competing actually with the NFL a couple times in that final series, and they're pulling down monster numbers. There is an audience there. And now you're starting to see the, I will call them mainstream media, give them the platform that they've deserved for so long. I also think that 
And as a woman, as a 35 year old, that um, our millennial generation is now getting in a space where we're taking on leadership opportunities. We're the decision makers. We're making sure that we're uplifting the next woman behind us or beside us or even ahead of us that we are making sure that those opportunities are front and center. And so I think more women at the decision, you know, at the table um, to give these opportunities and just the public is responding, right? Every, not everyone, but you know, the many sports fans are sports fans first because of their children, right? There's, you know, not sure what the census data is, but there's probably just as many young men as young women. And so that, that data, that database and that, that set of fans is just growing as, exponentially. And I think when I look back to Kobe Bryant, to be honest with you, and the time he spent, you know, promoting the women's game, and now you see the men in the NBA superstars supporting the women. We go to UCF volleyball games and the football players are there or the baseball team is there. I think there's this beautiful mutual respect and love for sport and equity that we are seeing front and center and the people, they want more, they want more. It's fun. It's exciting. Um, even when it's not exciting, we find things to talk about. Right. And I, I just think it's a really, really exciting time um, to be around women's sports and somebody too. I know Jeff, you may not um, know this about me, but I, I do call um, international women's basketball. Mm-hmm. So I'll go on big um, circuits for FIBA and, and call the women's game. Um, at the America Cup level and then the World Cup level. So um, out in Sydney and, and such. And then because of some of these popular anthems and this inclusivity, um, they invited me out to the Men's World Cup. And so here I am, you know, calling and spreading the gospel. You know, I'm a, I'm a woman, obviously, being around a men's sport. But the, the respect that I see in those hallways, the, um, the autonomy I'm given, there, there's a tide and it and it's shifting and it, I'm really, really excited. Yeah. You know, it's funny because, you know, the, the term throw like a girl used to be an insult to, to guys. Now I watch softball and I want to throw like a girl. <laughs> me too. Can teach me? <laughs> it is it is it is exceptional to see how the athleticism, you know, has, has really blossomed as well. So for UCF volleyball, you know, let's take things back to the offseason. You know, Todd Dagenet is the builder of this excellent program. He leaves for the pro ranks. You lose a superstar and legend in McKenna Millville to graduation. You know, on paper, that looks like that's going to be a rough transition, right? But you get the promotion of longtime assistant Jenny Maurer, and she provides that continuity. What do you think the intangibles Coach Maurer has brought to the table to face that challenge? Well, listen, I mean, at this point, right, Coach Dajane is out. You lose your your All-American, or I think at that point she was a five-time All-American. Um and the expectations are low, right? So this team comes out with a passion to prove people wrong. And what I'm so impressed about Coach Maurer is she came and joined this team seven years ago as a, a culture builder, a culture setter, right? A lot of those things that we know as adults matter when we're in the workplace. And guess what? They matter too when you're working with a team. So for me, what most stood out about this, this transition for her is the institution of those core values. These young women know who they are. They have a voice. They have an opinion. And in fact, it was uh, Claudia Dillon and some of the veterans that helped, you know, navigate Coach Maurer through this transition and said, we're staying and we're going to we're going to be the glue here. And we're also going to, you know, be a key recruiter. Right. Um, You didn't see the turnover that many would have might have might have expected. 
And I think for me being able to see the way this team has been playing for the majority of the year with a lot of heart, a lot of fight, and they're having more fun than I have seen them have since, you know, in the early Todd Dagenet times. I was a student at UCF in 2007. That was the year I believe he came in. I've been around the program, goodness, uh, 15 years. Um, and You've seen a few things. <laughs> a few things, a few things. But I will tell you this. The joy that these young women have playing a game and repping UCF has been the most impressive. And I think Coach Maurer um, gets a lot of credit for keeping that culture intact and really making it an environment that these women can thrive. And, and of course, you know, not every play or pass is going to be perfect, but they're humans and they, they really, you can tell they really enjoy each other's company and, and the run is evident. Yeah. And, you know, and you mentioned, you know, Claudia Dillon, you know, obviously there was a lot of terrific talent around Melville over the past few seasons. And it really looks like it, there's been a great group effort, you know, to kind of fill that void. Yeah. And it's by committee, which is exciting, right? Jeff, I know you've been around the team a lot. Last year, the ball, everybody knew where the ball was going, right? Where's Melville? Is she in the back row? Is she front row? Is she on the pin? Where, where is Melville? Because she's going to get that final touch. And so teams really figured out the system because it was very uh, singular, right? Now I look at it and they have so many dimensions and so many offerings across the court for, um, for, for production on offense, right? Even we've seen Abby Schomers come out and dump the ball at will and see that confidence booming right from the setter, the quarterback. And I just, for me, I'm most impressed, or I guess I get most excited on air when the middles get activated. So seeing Abby Hansen come in there in the front row and just, you know, her instincts take over and she just smashes the ball at every opportunity. And it's, she changes the speed, she changes the placement, but she just knows what to do. So I, I kind of sometimes, got to catch my jaw from, you know, <laughs> from hitting the ground here because it, it, it's artistry out there. And so, yeah, yeah, you, you enter Ava Armour too, the true freshman that stands at six foot five. Um, they just have a lot more weapons. And I didn't even talk about Emily Wilson, right? She's right. like leading the conference and serving and just, and I think leading the team too in, in, in um, uh, kills. So I'm, it's just, you've gone from a single uh, entity which was phenomenal right McKenna Melville was one of a kind to an arsenal and you, you right this is how you catch teams having to guess and play multiple defenses and making sure they're covering at the net and the block is there um, where Melville I think teams had a lot more opportunity to set up and and, and break break that down to at the same time yeah now, of course, the Knights were undefeated in the Big 12 going into the weekend, which you alluded to earlier and boy they ran into a big buzzsaw in Baylor um, you know and I we see why Baylor's now ranked number 20 in, in the country. Um, you know, it, I, it looked like the Knights had a lot of unforced errors. Baylor was exceptional at blocking. I think that was a, a, a master class that uh, took place over the weekend. How do you think the Knights bounce back uh, when they host TCU later this week? Yeah, I think it's a good gut punch, right? Like you're not going to come through in the Big 12 and have your way at every opponent. We've seen some gritty matches, and certainly when we saw them last, um, a five-setter, um, at home, you know, we got to see them challenged. And so I think this is going to be good for them. This is a group that really, um, you know, relies on each other for the bounce back. And, and this is a group that's been tested. They also don't have a lot to lose. They were picked to what finished seventh in the big 12. Right. So I know that this group, um, 
has that that passion to make sure that they're proving themselves and better the gut punch now versus the postseason. And I know this group has the tenacity and the talent to move forward. But listen, we I don't know about you, but I learned all my you know, big lessons in life when I'm failing or I fall face forward. Right. So I think the, the team is going to pick themselves off the ground. They're going to identify, okay, the passing wasn't strong. Okay. We didn't, our defensive transition was not there. They're, they're going to pick this apart. And for a team that does so well in a scramble situation, I mean, I think there was probably a little starstruck in their eyes, right? You're on a big stage. There was a few days in, in, in Waco, Texas. I'm sure they adventured out and, and had a little bit of fun. Um, but I think they, they saw another side to themselves that Baylor exposed that they can essentially get back in the gym and work on. I think against TCU, I think it's a total, total, excuse me, a total winnable mini series between TCU. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's a chance to, to show that rebound and that, that resilience. Yeah. And you mentioned like going into the big 12, how stacked is this? I mean, you look at the schedule, it doesn't get any easier ranked teams in Houston. We at least know what Houston's all about with the rivalry over the last few years of the American BYU, Texas, Kansas, all still left to play on the schedule. I mean, this is really where the tire hits the highway, right? (laughs) Oh, you're telling me. Yeah. So we knew when we saw them last week that this is going to be the turn in the conference, right? They've already went one there at this point. It was five and oh, um, when, when I think both, Kelly Burke and I saw them. I have it on my calendar. I got to look against uh, let's see, Kansas State, the 14th. Yeah. So when they said that when they faced Kansas State, that went to five. We knew that that, that was going to be the turn of the conference. And they proved themselves in, in winning out that five. Um, but you're right. It only goes uphill from here. I, I think this is a group that we're going to see transformation happen at this point, right? The, the preseason schedule was tough. This is a unit of a team that doesn't, you know, doesn't back down from a challenge. And I think that's always going to bode well. Now they do have some like youngsters, right? So Ava Armour, she did not play the majority of that second game against Baylor, right? So she, as a, a true freshman, I'm sure there were some lessons and, and learning curves that she was absorbing in real time. Um, Lauren Clark came out and was, you know, a, an arm that the team needed. It just, it all stemmed from the passing. And, and, and you're right, the block, the big block. So from what I know, I know this group is going to make those adjustments and they're, they're looking to, you know, pick themselves up against TCU. And I think they're going to be, they're going to be back on track. I don't think if I were a predicting woman, I think um, they walk away with a, with a sweep here. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, very impressive to go seven Oh, to start out in their big 12 life. And in the fact that, you know, they hadn't lost since, you know, what mid September to Purdue. I mean, you know, Kind of get a little spoiled. It felt a little weird when they lost a set. <laughs> right. But like, that's what I'm saying. Like we learn so much from our losses as humans, as athletes, um, as volleyball teams and being exposed at this point of the season, there's plenty of time to make, make adjustments and reevaluate and try out different rotations and find out, you know, where the kinks are. And I, again, rather now, Jeff, than, you know, come, you know, conference time with the playoffs and such. So I, I think we're going to see a, a refreshed or maybe rejuvenated team that is is what we've all hoped, I'll tell you this, be more commanding in, mm-hmm. in their closeout. Yeah. So as you mentioned, you know, you've been you've been around the scene for a while. You know, what's over the past few years? What is like kind of the most what's the biggest thing that stands out? to you on as far as the growth of the volleyball program at UCF? I mean, they've always been 
ahead of the bunch, right? I think if you, you use the analogy of like, you know, women, women mature faster than men, right? It's just a few years lag. I think this group and what um, Todd Dagene instituted a, at a very uh, young point in the university's, um, you know, NCAA um, history book, so to speak, I think laid the foundation for where they are now, right? Was it perfect? No. But was the the demand for a high level of volleyball in, in, in what is required to play with the best in the, the nation there? Yes. And I think one thing that it has shifted, and I love the continuity of Jenny Maurer here, this is a group that went to Europe in the off season and where, you know, you talk about the transfer portal and people coming in and going out. This was a unit that really got to, to bond in that off season together, figure out people's eating schedules, how they like to travel, you know, who's got the air earbuds watching what movies, you know, those types of things are, are uh, replaceable um, as far as creating those bonds and that chemistry and, and the way this team plays. But I just been always so impressed by the sport and the dedication that the women have. Um, it, and I'm not saying that the other programs don't have that. I think it, it's all been, I think it's just been the most consistent. I want to say, because, right, we had the good years with Johnny Dawkins and, and the men's basketball team and the uh, Taco Fall, right, and the, the Duke game that could have gone either way. Oh. Um, so, and then I think to uh, <laughs> UCF and the undefeated Peach Bowl season and Scott Frost. And um, so I was there for all that as a, as a full-time reporter back then. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I think consistency is is the word, and, and that's why we're seeing UCF excel so well here in the first year of the Big 12. Yeah, I think before the season, I had volleyball and soccer as the best, as a toss-up, as the best teams prepared to go into the Big 12. Yeah, I mean, you're, I mean your picks here in premonition is right, because the men's soccer team, right, is, is high up there. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. So, yeah, we got a lot of good things uh, going on as far as uh, that is concerned. So... One of the things I do as a hobby on this podcast is analyzing broadcasters, um, oh, no. which I do with Eric Lopez and Adam Eaton. And, uh, and I know you know Eric very well. Um, so what I wanted to say is, you know, I really appreciate the enthusiasm you bring to a broadcast. And I think you have, a, have that ability that I don't think everybody always has to punch it up in the big moment. Well, I, I appreciate that, Jeff. Wow. I feel like um, I'm kind of. I'm, I think I'm blushing. You can't tell <laughs> the camera here. It, you know, what's interesting is it's something that I've been cognitive of and aware of because you hear all these different critiques and how people listen to things. And, and so you kind of have to find the voice that's you, but authentically you. Um, so it's been a struggle. I, I won't say a struggle, but it's been a challenge of identifying, you know, that those scenarios, right? Because sometimes in, in calling a lot of games, um, I mean, when I was in Japan, I did like 22 and 10 days. So like you kind of fight some of the monotony to Mm -hmm. the sport, but volleyball doesn't allow you to do that because I'm telling you when I came back from Japan and I called that first weekend, I think it was against FSU. My head Jeff was like that. I couldn't keep up. Like, and I couldn't see. And, um, I, I will tell you, having a partner, too, that knows the game and loves the game, it makes your job 10 times easier. And, yeah, we're just having fun. At the end of the day, this is a sport that brings people together, and we're just having fun. Yeah. Well, that's interesting to say. I, I was at the FSU game, and I think you probably expended more energy than the players there. <laughs> well, you saw 
saw me, right? Okay, so I have my boards and I have them in front of me, but I can't see. Our broadcast position is literally right at the net. <laughs> and so, yeah, uh, Aaron Campbell, who's frequently with me on air, she goes, girl, you get more steps than, like, I think the volleyball players. So I'm like, you're right, because I'm moving, I'm shifting, I can't see everything. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, that, and, that's, and and I think kind of going back to the enthusiasm thing, too, You, you when we were talking about the growth of women's sports too. One of the things I love about volleyball and, and softball, especially, you know, is the constant good time you see, you know, it's, it just, it does, it just can't help but make you smile. Right. It does. And I think that that's probably like a really enjoyable moment for us too. Right. You get the best seat in the house. Um, you get to see phenomenal athletes go to work and the excitement, the joy, the passion, the speed, the tempo, the, um, the elegance to the sport too. I will say that, that, you know, those are things that keep us engaged at a super high level. And so when Aaron and I really get excited or when I'm with Kelly Burke and we get really excited, we really try to show that, um, through our broadcast and, and, and give the women their, their due, um, uh, their, their due roses, so to speak, yeah. uh, on air. Well, Thank you so much for taking the time. I really enjoyed this conversation, and uh, I guess you will be on the call later this week? Yes, I will be on the TCU games alongside Kelly Burke. So come and visit us. Come say hello. Absolutely. We'll have to look to do that. So, Despina, thank you so much. And, uh, again, thank you for being on the show. I appreciate you, Jeff. Anytime. All right. We're going to talk some UCF men's soccer, the number two ranked team in the nation. And, of course, uh, you know his work with UCF is also with the uh, Orlando Pride and Orlando City. Our pleasure to welcome Austin David to the show. Austin, how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Good. Thanks for having me. Yes, glad you're uh, able to jump on with us. So uh, let's talk a little bit about about the team. You know, uh, Luca Dorado is certainly a scoring machine, but what you see behind him is a lot of balanced scoring after his high total. Yeah, and I think that's been the big success of this Knights program is last year they were very reliant on Luca Dorado and not just him, but Gino Vivi as well. And I think that that was kind of one of the big question marks coming into this year was what is life without Gino Vivi going to look like? Because he was so potent offensively. He was so important to the way this team wanted to play. And it really was a big question mark is like, what's going to happen? You know, who's going to be the, the big, uh, player that steps up for this team and it it hasn't just been one it's been multiple and and Luca Dorado's done Luca Dorado things he's got nine goals and two assists and that's expected of him at this point in his career he's one of the best goal scorers in Knights histories you know creeping up the top 10 list he's not gonna catch the top 10 or at least the top three I think he's he's a bit away from that but um behind him you've got balanced scoring Saku Haskinen um who's come into this season as a true freshman uh, from Europe and has really been one of the most impressive players from my perspective um, because he's he's playing like a veteran. And, and I think it's just incredibly impressive how well he's adapted to college soccer, not just American soccer, but college soccer and how he has looked dominant at many points in games, whereas I've seen freshmen on this night's program before that have, have looked a little bit more hesitant and, and, look a little bit unsure of themselves. And, and Saku has really been the opposite of that. He has taken it on upon himself. He's aggressive. He's smart. Uh, he's got a good head on his shoulders. Um, he's just 
have been a really good player for this Knights team. And then on the other side, Emmanuel Baum, uh, another player that Scott Calabrese said worked a lot in the offseason, um, spent a lot of time working on his game, and it's starting to show with three goals and four assists. Um, a guy that has a tremendous pace, good ball control, but has started to add little bits and pieces to his game now with being a reliable player on the wings. Um, and while these guys may not show up on stats necessarily, Clan Sardor and Yanis Belatrash, the freshman, uh, the Frenchman, um, those guys have been instrumental in, in terms of setting up goals. They haven't necessarily shown the numbers to prove it, but when you watch these guys play, uh, they've been incredibly impressive in the way that they've built up the offense. And uh, it's it's really been a, a breath of fresh air to replacing guys like Gino Vivi as well as Mauricio Villalobos, who have were mainstays to this program for, for years and years. Um, but then you've got other guys that are, you know, stepping up, like Beto Idrach I mentioned before. But Robbie Surinellas, I think his his work, uh, workmanlike uh, just play has been impressive. Um, again, playing a defensive midfield role, he's not going to get the numbers like guys that are scoring or assisting, but he is so integral in terms of just sitting in between the middle of the defense and breaking up plays, starting counterattacks. And I think that um, he's taken a big step up this year as well. So uh, to wrap it up in a nice short bow, everyone has increased their level uh, and you're, you've seen it throughout this year. That's why they're number two. And of course, uh, in, in goal, you know, Juan B. Munoz is uh, having a great season. Of course, you have to have great goalkeeping if you're going to be the number two team in the country. You know, that as, as I play captain obvious there, but, you know, uh, the goals against average, you know, at 0.85, that is pretty phenomenal stuff. Yeah, and it's it's been interesting with him because um, it, he's done it with multiple different defenders in front of him. Um Normally, if you're a goalkeeper, you like the same guys that are sitting in front of you at center back. But unfortunately for UCF, they've had a number of injuries hit them where they haven't necessarily been able to keep the same guys at that center back position. And so for Munoz, he's had to adapt over the course of this season to multiple different guys to, uh, and multiple different languages starting in front of him. He's had Frenchman, German, American, um, it's it's been a, a a definite adjustment um considering that even english isn't his first language it's spanish and he's been very impressive you know he's he's commanded the back line he's what we like to call a sweeper keeper where he basically acts like a third center back and kind of pulls out of his goal a little bit more likes to drift and and play with the ball really likes to start attacks and be a part of those buildups in play um, but then also on the other end, like you said, he's been good in goal, 10 goals allowed through 12 games. I think that speaks for itself. And, um, he hasn't necessarily had to do too much in terms of, of saves. He comes up with big saves and he's had big games where he's had to have those multiple save games, but he's also had games where he's had one or two. Um, and unfortunately for him, his past game, he, he got shown a red card. So, um, for the next game, he'll be suspended against Georgia, uh, is it Georgia state? I believe that 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 that's the next game they have. Yeah, yes. So he'll be suspended for that game, uh, but he'll be back for the James Madison game. So, um, you know, he's he's been he's been a solid piece to this team. I think from last year to this year, he's stepped up his game. He was good last year, but he's been great this year. 
And of course, uh, you know, you, you mentioned Scott Calabrese and, and, and the job he has done, uh, coaching this team. And, and, you know, he's been at the helm for a while and it's interesting to kind of see, you know, he's gotten the team to the tournament. You know, I think expectations will be much bigger this year, obviously, with, uh, with, with, with the Knights, uh, success. Uh, but, uh, tell us what is the, the magic potion of Scott Calabrese and what makes him an excellent, uh, head coach for the UCF soccer program. Yeah, it's 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 hard to kind of nail down just one thing that that, that Scott has been really good at. I've gotten the chance to know him for the last couple of years now, calling games since early 2021, and um, just picking his brain uh, a lot of different times has been really informative for for me as a broadcaster because it gets to kind of you know look beneath the hood a little bit and see what makes this team tick. But it's really just the culture that he develops with this team uh it's, it's not necessarily anything he does tactically he's got you know a good idea tactically he's got good uh coaches as well with with paul souders as his uh associate head coach he's been an integral part of this program as well in terms of uh recruiting as well as tactics but scott has a system that he has implemented since day one and the expectation is you will learn how to play in this system, this system will work. This system will kill teams, but you have to be able to get yourself into playing this system. And he demands a lot of the players. He demands a lot of uh, different guys to play different roles within the team. Um, there's a lot of running involved. He doesn't sub very often. And the expectation is you are able to do this. And if you can't, someone else will. And that culture that he has implemented where it's, not necessarily a, a cutthroat mentality, but it's, you know, you have to earn your spot. You're not given your spot. If a guy is playing better than you, he will play and I will reward players for doing good things. And I think that's resonated within the team. They all want the same thing and they all feed off of each other. And I think that is exactly what you want in terms of a coaching staff where they're not demanding and not listening. I think that that give and take between players and coaches is is super critical, uh, especially in today's modern game. Having these these coaches that will listen to players and take their input in and not just say, I know what's best for you. You're going to go do it. And I think that's kind of the in a nutshell, the big reason that UCF has been so good under Scott Calabrese over the last uh, couple years, you know, basically since he started here in 20. uh, 17, I believe. 2016, yeah. 2016, yeah. Yeah. No, and, and you and you look at that too. It, it, the fact that you know he's he he was given the time to develop the program. Had you know you know COVID you know messed things up for everybody. Uh, but uh, but given given the time, it you know it's it's it, it it's great to see you know coaches get that time to build that program up. Yeah, and, and again, even even during the COVID year, um, they still were. Very, very good. Yes. Um, you know, basically, since since that time, um, he had a lot of guys that came into this program as true freshmen that have stayed around. And I think that's been another big thing uh, in terms of this year is I mentioned all these guys that are graduating seniors. But when you look back at that 2020-2021 season, uh, the, you know, January of 21, you had... Um, the building blocks of something great. You had uh, a bunch of seniors and a bunch of upperclassmen, uh, Yannick Odell and goalkeeper, 
Um, he's playing professionally now in, in USL. Um, but kind of starting from that back line, you had so many other guys that were leaders within this team, uh, big players, um, very important players. And then you had all the young players. Uh, and those young players have stuck around, like Beto Idrach, um, like Anderson Rosa, um, like Luca Dorado. You know, the, these are guys that learned from those veterans and have stayed with this program and grown with this program. And they take a, a, a little bit more uh, ownership of the program because of it, because it's their team, essentially now. And players feed off of that, you know, especially new players that are coming into this team. They feed off of that energy that the seniors give off. And I think that's just incredibly important to a successful team is to, to have, you know, good team culture within just the team itself, not just, you know, with the coaching staff that Scott Calabrese provides. Yeah, well, you know, so far it's been a spectacular season. Hopefully it's a, a good uh, good long run uh, for the Knights as they go into the postseason. And, of course, uh, speaking of the postseason, of course, you know, your your day job is with Orlando City and the Orlando Pride. And uh, I guess now we know officially the Orlando City will host uh, Nashville SC in the first round come Monday. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, next ne- a week from uh, today as we're recording this now. It will be playing uh, against Nashville here at Exploria Stadium. Uh, super excited for that one. I think it's going to be a really good game. Uh, different playoff format this year where it's a best of three scenario. Um, it's only for the first round, though. So what will happen is we'll play in Orlando. Then uh, Orlando goes to Nashville to play a second game. And then if necessary, back here for a third and final game. None of the games can end in draws if it finishes tied at 90 minutes it goes straight to a penalty shootout so there will be a winner and there will be a loser for every game uh it's just a matter of who does what so um it's certainly going to be an interesting uh, experiment for this year for for mls as a whole uh, because you could in theory see some very big upsets where uh, teams will sit back defend hold out to a zero zero draw and then win in a penalty shootout and they could do that two times and advance to the next round <laughs> um it doesn't matter if you win a game five nothing that that goal differential doesn't matter. You play the next game, you lose one nothing, and then that five nothing game meant nothing. So um, it certainly is going to <laughs> create a lot of chaos, and I'm I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, how's how's the how how's the uh, the outlook of the team going in? Oh, they're they're as high as can be right now. They've they've been hitting a stride that I haven't seen from Orlando City since well ever um (laughs) heading into the postseason they've never really had this level of of confidence this level of uh success heading into a postseason run than they've had this year and you can just kind of feel it being around the team being at practice and uh even being in the front office where i'm at everyone's not overly confident but they're they're feeling good and um you know when you when you have a team feeling good it, it it really kind of plays into uh how they play on the field. So uh, I think, I think they'll, they'll have a good run. Yeah. And you know, life's pretty good for you. You got uh, two good teams uh, rolling right now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, don't, don't discredit the Orlando pride no, as well. They had a, a very successful season, even though they did not make the playoffs. Uh, they had the second most wins in NWSL. So I think they're on the tr- upward trajectory. Um, very excited for, for the future for them as well. Um, maybe hopefully some, uh, some UCF players. End up back at uh, 
at the Orlando Pride. Yeah, that would be a that'd be cool to see. Well, Austin, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate all 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 that you do, and uh, we thank you for your time this evening. Of course, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Jeff Allen Sports Talk. Follow Jeff on Twitter at Jeff Allen underscore 88, on Facebook at Jeff Allen 88, and the website JeffAllenSportsTalk.com. And you can reach out to the show anytime by email, JeffAllenSportsTalk at gmail.com. Jeff Allen Sports Talk is brought to you exclusively by Kramer's Salve for Dogs. Does your dog itch, suffer from debilitating skin allergies, or trouble hot spots? We have the solution using the healing power of neem. Kramer Self is a safe and natural approach to help your best friend live an itch-free life. Go to KramerSalve.net to order today with new low pricing. That's K-R-A-M-E-R-S-A-L-V-E dot net.